0: The uh, scriptural themes today are very simple. The calling of the followers that, that God has chosen. God's call to us, just as he called those in ancient times. And you see the call of Samuel. Samuel was one of the great prophets of Israel, and uh, he was the one who actually recognized, called, and anointed the early kings of Israel, including David. And then we have Jesus in the gospel calling the disciples. And I think uh, it is a little humorous when you see the response of Nathaniel when he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We do have that cynical view of things frequently in life, and... uh, That's very typical of someone like him. Because remember, when God calls, it's never obvious. And uh, when Nathaniel heard that we have Jesus from Nazareth, uh, he can't imagine that anything unusual is going to come out of Nazareth. But that's the mystery of God's call. And this weekend, of course, we, we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King. And if there's anything that we can uh, take away from the life of Martin Luther King is that he was a quintessential prophet, biblical prophet. You know, all all of his preaching and all of his teaching and all of his political activity was totally biblically based. He took the values that were taught in the scriptures and just applied them across the board to our society. And that, in my opinion, is why he succeeded. He succeeded not because he got into politics at all. He succeeded because he related to the fundamental human values that are laid out in the scripture. And he used, of course, the great themes of liberation in the scripture relating to these things. The exodus of Egypt, freeing of slaves, and so forth. Being led into a promised land, to a new life, to freedom. Those are the issues that life is really about. And boy, do we need another Martin Luther King today. However, I don't want to really dwell on these things today. I'd like to follow up on something that I wrote in the January issue of The Perspective on a very joyful topic of death and dying. And if you haven't read the article, it's it's a very brief article. In fact, it it was actually a lot longer, but uh, I really had to cut it in half because it wouldn't be able to be published in that uh, periodical. However, the themes of death and dying relate very much to what I was just referring to. When Jesus called those in order to follow him, he sort of asked them to come and see. And uh, he preached about the so-called kingdom of God. And you know, this is a very mysterious topic. When you read through the gospel, there's all this talking about God's kingdom, God's kingdom. And it's very interesting because in those days, the only idea of a kingdom you would have would be some kind of a political entity and so forth, a great country. And so I would, I'm sure that the initial response of those who listened to Jesus were imagining the foundation of some new political entity or the resurrection of Israel as a great nation, as it was, let's say, under David. However, he really had nothing to do with that. He was talking about a different kind of kingdom. And he was referring to something that is within us. I mean, he even specifically stated that. The kingdom of God is in your midst. And this, again, I think, was a problem for the apostles and the disciples. It was very hard for them to figure this out. And that's understandable. Because even today, we, this is a mysterious uh, topic. It seems that you and I live in two worlds Simultaneously. We live in the, in the world of space, we occupy space, the world of time, we, we move along in time. And that world of space and time is characterized by our five senses, by the tangible world. That's the world that we examine, that we live in, uh, that we operate in, that we interact with. It's the world that science investigates and researches in. And it's the world that occupies 90% of our time. And so, that is the great distraction about the mystery of life and about the mystery of God's kingdom. Because in a way, we're, we're drawn away from something that Jesus was trying to get us to recognize. And it's to recognize that within us is something beyond space and time. It is beyond our immediate experience of life. It is beyond the experience of time that you and I have here and now. It is something really eternal. And eternity is not something like a life after life. It's not something like a world without end. We use those terms, by the way, sometimes in religious uh, liturgies. World without end. But it's not a world without end. It's, It's something beyond our concept of time. Time is really something that measures our existence in the tangible world. Outside of that, it really has no meaning, as we learned, you know, from from the writings of Einstein. So what is it that we're trying to comprehend about this kingdom that is within and that is eternal and beyond time, above time, superseding time? There is some quality about us there's something about us that is not readily observed and tangible. It's elusive. And yet it is real. You can't always put your finger on it. It's hard to define and dissect. Now, for example, uh, these things really exist. and. Uh, in the early days of psychology, you know, when there was depth study of one's dreams, you know, the psyche things that we have in our heads. And it's interesting that in the analysis of dreams in the early days, it became clear in the days of like Freud and Jung that the psyche has no experience of death. For example, if you went to a psychologist because you have an inordinate fear of death and you want to get some kind of counseling to help you to deal with it, and uh, the counselor would help maybe to uh, analyze your dreams, you would find, actually, that the psyche ignores death. Even when you have dreams of death, you never really dream of truly dying. You're observing death. But it's not that you just died. It's not that the psyche feels it died. It's always observing, but never participating. And so there's something about us that doesn't relate to death at all, that doesn't believe it. Now, it is just so. I mean, it's it doesn't prove anything. But it's an indication that in our nature, in our depth, there's something about us that has no experience of death because it is somehow related to the eternal. this is what Jesus is talking about and it 's not a matter of time. the eternal is something that is always it 's always there. You can enter into the eternal at any time if you wish and this is why we have these contemplative uh, Exercises. This is why we have meditation. Uh, this is why we have mindfulness. All these different things are ways of penetrating down into the psyche where the spirit resides. And that spirit is, is immaterial. It's not subject to decay. It's not subject, really, to, to time and space. It is abiding always. And therefore, the secret of understanding death is to understand this spiritual nature of us. Now, Jesus spoke very little about death, actually. I mean, I can think of one passage uh, from nature. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. If it dies, it produces much fruit it's interesting that almost all of the teaching of Jesus is very symbolic. It has great images from nature. There's no theology, that's for sure. There's no philosophy either. It's very simple thinking. Observe nature and learn. And so, Jesus recognized that we would understand this, that we're deeply rooted in the natural order. And when you observe the natural order, you will learn. And you will learn the deeper things. And so, what is the natural order in our life? What is the natural order of humanity? We begin in our birth, we come into existence in our mother's womb. And then we're born. And that is the first rite of passage in a human life. And it seems to me that if you observe the natural order in humanity, life is a series of of, uh, rites of passage. And every rite of passage follows the same pattern. In our birth, and that's the first one, so that sets the pattern. You're in a familiar place. You might even say a comfort zone. Uh, Very comfortable. All needs are taken care of. Completely protected. Without fear and anxiety, which is the usual experience of us in our normal life. But none of that in the womb. But then again, nature will not permit this to stay. We have to move on whether we like it or not, but this is the way of nature. So we, we are born, and the birth process is a painful one, usually, for mother and child. But then, if, if one can succeed in making that passage successfully, then life has expanded exponentially. However, if, if there was a way to look into the mind of a child, if this was even possible, going through this process. They had no idea that what is going on here is good, (laughs) that they're being removed from their mother's womb, which was very, uh, very pleasing. And now, this is a rough time. This is a great challenge to endure this birth. And yet, a whole new world is open life expands in that passage now it's very interesting that that pattern will continue all through our lives in terms of our interior life the first time you do anything new that's challenging is a new birth the process is the same you're in your comfort zone either you choose to do something which changes your life or Something that you have no control over changes your life, and this happens to many of us. But if you can manage the process, if you can endure the challenge and come out on the other side, again, your life expands. When you first go to school, first time you have that experience, for some kids, it's a rite of passage. It's very difficult. In the old days... You know, there were no preschools. Now, I was brought up in the 1940s. There were no preschools. The first day of school was, was wild for a lot of these kids. You know, after five years, they dragged you out of your neighborhood and your home, and you had to go to school. they leave you on your... And all of a sudden, this was a trauma for a lot of kids. They didn't have ways of, in those days, of sort of easing the problem, you know. That was a rite of passage, though, because once you got into school and you got adjusted a little bit, all of a sudden, again, your life expanded tremendously. Things you learn, the social interactions you have to deal with, and so on. And When you leave home uh, for the first time and you have to fend for yourself on your own, not everybody has to do that. but. Uh, some people do, either they go off to the military or they go off to college or they go to a job in another, another state, which is very common today, and you have to fend for yourself, you're on your own. The first time you do that, that's, a, that's another birth. That's a great challenge. Very difficult. But if you can manage that experience, then you become stronger, wiser, more mature, and so forth. It's obvious. When you get married, it's another rite of passage. In fact, that rite of passage is like endless. (laughs) You're constantly challenged with things that change. When you have your first child, it's another rite of passage. When you experience the death of a loved one for the first time, but that could come at any time from the beginning. In my life, uh, my grandfather died when I was eight, and I remember it was, I was afraid. I was afraid to go to the funeral parlor and see him laid out. I never had to deal with death up until that point. And I remember back on the East Coast in, in Italian neighborhoods, they had three nights of wakes in the funeral parlor and then on the fourth day you went to church for the funeral and then you had the burial so it was like all week so you were really immersed in death in a way and I remember when we went and if you went to the funeral parlor you had to go every night so I remember the first night we appeared there and I I looked through the doors and down the aisle and I see my grandfather laid out you know in an open casket and I was afraid to go in never saw anybody dead and I remember my brother dragged me in. He forced me to go in. I was afraid to go. And he said, look, we all have to go in together. You have to go, well, whether you like it or not. So he pulled me in. By the third night, I was a lot more adjusted. You see, I was, it was a rite of passage. How do I face the death of someone? How do I how, even consider death? You see, but we all have to do this. And so, for me, that was a rite of passage. Well, the final rite of passage, obviously, is our death. And like every rite of passage, we start off in the world we're familiar with, our comfort zone. We know the world that we've lived in. We're very familiar with it. We don't know about the unknown, and that's the big, that's the big problem. We fear death because we fear the unknown. In fact, you know, uh, all fears in life generate ultimately from the fear of death because it's the uh, the primary example of the unknown because we all we're not comfortable with the unknown. We we'll just look at the stock market, you know. Whenever there's uncertainty, there's a problem because of the unknown, you see. The fear of the unknown. But that fear, you know, we've lived with all our lives. Every time we did a passage in our life, there was fear and anxiety. We weren't comfortable in a lot of the changes that we have to make and the things we have to deal with. But like all all of the other rites of passage, death really catapults us into beyond space and time, into the eternal, which, as I said before, was always there in the first place. We are now free to embrace it fully. So therefore, our vocation in life, and this is what Jesus said to Nathaniel earlier, come and see, our vocation is to start penetrating into our depth. Our vocation is to start living in the eternal So we need to find some kind of way or time or method, however we can do it. And it's not easy because 90% of our time is occupied with the world of space and time. But we're missing the boat if we don't go further. And so that is our vocation. Whatever we can do to share in the world of contemplation, meditation, The world, the eternal world. That is why we're here. Because when we do that, everything else we do starts to make sense and starts to be put into perspective. It's easy for us to actually manage our life in the world of space and time when in our depth we have some kind of foundation. And so I urge you to try to take advantage of any way you can, whether it's here and you know, programs we have at the church or other things you do on your own. Try to nurture the experience of the eternal within your own life. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.